0: What is the Podcaster Matrix? The Podcaster Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com.
1: When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain image possible to be killed masked individuals bearing sharp weapons of all kinds there's another friday the 13th that deserves attention in 1987 friday the 13th the series created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast. From Two Guys Talking Horror. The
2: value of pocket watches isn't that they tell time. It isn't even often that they are legacy jewelry that denote special people and memories in your life. A pocket watch is literally a tether to times long gone by, an almost time machine that allows us to know where we are and when we were. But what if that pocket watch stopped time? What if for one hour a day you could freeze the world around you and do whatever you wanted sounds pretty cool right but there is a price we'll talk about that and more because it's time for the curious goods podcast a retelling a revisit and an always educational detailing of each and every episode of friday the 13th the series this time season 2 episode 9
1: 13
2: Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The five-week video challenge. Now, regardless of what week it is inside the five-week video challenge, I want all of you to check out the show notes inside of this episode to go and see the videos that I'm making for the five-week video challenge thanks to my friend over at the podcast engineering school, Chris Current. He and I started this contest, and about 40 different people inside the podcast space have chosen to make video content. Nice. It's all across the spectrum of of content, whether it's uh, podcast-specific or service-specific, that these people have been trying to want to make for years now. Mm. And the contest is the, it it is the, and now put up or shut up moment. Right, right. And the ones that we've made uh, currently are a bunch of podcasting-based ones, but then also some of the mechanics pieces, parts inside of podcasting. I want you to check them out now by going to the show notes for this episode over at curious goods, podcast.com. Just click on the show notes and they'll, we'll have links over to that entire challenge listing. And again, you're going to see all kinds of different stuff from people all over the world, not just from somewhere in St. Louis. It's amazing how large that community has gotten. Be sure to check that out again. It's curious goods, podcast.com the home alone perspective review. Do you remember home alone? Nick? Were you like three, four? How old were you? Come on, man. Home Alone, what
0: came out in 89, 90? It came out horrifyingly long ago. How about that? Right. But I was alive.
2: Okay, well thank and, God.
0: and conscious. I, I knew <laughs> what the what was going on in the world. It's got John Candy in it, man. <laughs> it's know. got John Candy.
2: Dude, I realize that, but I'm just telling you, there's people that are gonna go, Home Alone. Is that a new TV series that I haven't seen yet, Wilkerson? I, you no, know what? Not. I don't a... I don't think
0: so. That it, it is a it is a staple in a lot of
2: people's homes. Uh, during the holidays, I would tend to agree with you, but it's easier to be horrified by how <laughs> old I'm getting. Okay, so give me a break. Anyway, the Home Alone perspective review. It is another podcast that we recorded years ago, that we have had captured from. Years ago,
0: and you're just now getting around and to it, huh? <laughs> we are
2: just now getting down to it. it and the neat part is that it's timeless. You 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 hit yeah, it right on right. the head as yeah. you mentioned it is that it could come out in another five years and it wouldn't make any difference because literally the content, the stories, and the quote lessons learned inside of Home Alone they are timeless. They graft onto a different audience and may have a, a slightly different context, but the story is timeless without question. We're going to have that available, so look for that soon. It's going to be available over at twoguystalking.com forward slash home alone, or you can always go check out the link inside the show notes for this episode. Again, that's over at curiousgoodspodcast.com. Nick, let's get to the retelling for this episode. Again, it's Season 2, Episode 9 of Friday the 13th, the series
0: 13 o'clock.
2: A bustling cityscape It's alive. The subway arriveth. People depart the cars and people get on. A very white, white man disembarks the subway car and heads for the staircase to the city streets. He's clad in a trench coat and passes some teens ripping off vending machines. A saxophone player serenades as the man passes and looks at his pocket watch. A beautiful young lady follows him. The man tips the sax player and then clobbers him over the head with a hammer as a secondary tip. I don't think the saxophone playing was that bad, Mike. I didn't think it was either, but apparently we don't know our music, Nick. The trench coat murderer heads back to the subway, as does the young lady following him. The watch turns pink and shows 13 o'clock, and everything freezes. Except for the man, who is now the only thing in living color moving in a frozen black-and-white world. He makes his exit, stage left. Later the next morning, Ryan and Mickey are complaining about their broken-down rolls. You mean Ben's, Mike. Ben's rolls. It's got four wheels and it's cool, but right now it's broken down. So, they decide to go to the subway. The subway it is. The same beautiful young lady, but now scantily clad, is sorting through a drawer and finds the pocket watch. The same man from the subway accosts her and tells her to keep her hands off the present from his father.
0: Daddy is tempted to give you a little spanking, princess.
2: Can I have my presents now, Daddy? (laughs) The gift, a solid platinum letter opener and a brand new car. (laughs) <laughs> a perfect gift for Mrs. Henry Wilkerson. Dun,
0: dun, dun!
2: Oh, wait a second. Who put my name into this? Await oh, the writers 35 years ago. Never you got, mind. You got a brother we don't know about? I have no idea. It's an interesting quid pro quo session. How does he continue to afford giving these gifts? Why? Because she's the luckiest little girl in the world. Later on, the same beautiful young lady is having a lovemaking session unfortunately, with some other dude. Mrs. Wilkerson. I've no idea and no relation. Her lover insists that she do more to make more money so that he can avoid prison. And off to the subway she goes. Later that evening, Mickey and Ryan finally make their way to the subway. A teen daredevil is doing cartwheels on the edge of the tracks and she falls! Ryan has 20 seconds to save her and then get off the tracks before he too is smashed. He makes it! The teen is unrepentant as Mickey and Ryan board the subway and head back to the Curious Goods antique shop. The punk kids are busy sharing a sandwich and a soda pop behind a dumpster with a makeshift furnace, and the cartwheeling young'un is left alone. The trench-coated Mr. Wilkerson is once again wandering the streets with purpose, but Martha Wilkerson, you know, his wife, is following and shares that she's seen him murder and now wants to see the pocket watch. He details how the watch works. As she revels at the watch, he draws the same hammer to swiftly kill her. But instead, she stabs him with the solid platinum letter opener. Murder.
0: Murder most foul.
2: Definitely not the gift he or she was looking for, but here it is. All of these shenanigans are witnessed by the punk teenage daredevil girl. Mrs. Wilkerson notices the young teenage Daredevil girl has witnessed Henry's murder. Thankfully, she now has the watch and heads toward the subway. The subway once again stops its ongoing mission for a moment as she arrives at the station at 13 o'clock, as everything stops. She walks amongst the very still, frozen people. They are in black and white. She is in living color and stealing left and right. She finds a cop and borrows the billy club and breaks the window to expensive jewelry. As she arrives back at the station with her giant treasure trove of goodies, time then resumes. It's the perfect crime. Back at the Curious Good Shop, Jack shares that a body has been found, as well as a series of recent burglaries. Something very odd is going on. The policeman on the scene, you see, he saw nothing. There was also another murder slash burglary previously. Hmm, to the manifest. What could the item be? They sort through the pages and oh, Jack spies a pocket watch that was sold to the Wilkerson family. It's in the manifest and is now the focus of this episode. Jack Marshack,
0: man of action,
2: will now begin his deduction. Mrs. Wilkerson chooses to share the secrets of the pocket watch with her lover and shares her detailed plan to kill the witness in the upcoming trial that will prevent her lover from going to the slammer. Why? Because she was able to kill Henry Wilkerson, and there are no consequences. That's why. Brazen hussy. A hot hussy. A Klingon hussy. Mickey and Ryan arrive at the Wilkerson home to ask questions of Mrs. Wilkerson. Did he own an old antique pocket watch? She doesn't know anything about it. The married-for-a-month Mrs. Wilkerson is distraught and can't answer any more questions, but gets Mickey's business card. Later on, she assures her lover that there's nothing to worry about, and another lovemaking session ensues. A
0: lot of hanky-panky going around.
2: A bunch of nooky going on inside of this episode. Time for another subway ride in a different kind of tube. Time to find the kids to see if they've seen anything of consequence. Ryan and Mickey are following them as Martha Wilkerson woos another older, whiter dude. She begins using her feminine wiles and wonders if the man wants to be adventurous. Time for a hotel room, but there is no time. Time for a hot night and some red-hot poking. Done with a platinum letter opener, that is.
0: That's one of those gifts that just keeps on giving, Mike.
2: Back at the hidden furnace-heated pseudo-apartment where the teens live... Ryan and Mickey find them. It's time to pitch them a $20 bill and see what info can be detailed. The teens apparently saw nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah, nice. Yeah. 20 for nothing. Yeah. They receive a harsh tongue lashing from Ryan and a business card from Mickey. If I was Ryan, they'd be seeing the business of my boot. But they got a business card. That's the big part of this whole thing.
0: Youths.
2: Ryan and Mickey find Mrs. Wilkerson walking the streets. ha. <laughs> She's not a streetwalker She walks the streets (laughs) To get to places But she's not a streetwalker You know what you're absolutely right Nick She continues to walk the streets But with purpose but isn't a streetwalker You're absolutely right She continues walking the city streets And she walks into the station Just as Ryan grabs the watch At the same time She and he see everything Freeze. She strikes Ryan and he falls onto the tracks. Back at the hospital room where the only living witness of Mrs. Wilkerson's lover is still clinging to life, Mrs. Wilkerson is now administering a very potent hyperdermic needle.
0: I don't think she's licensed to do that, Mike.
2: Time resumes as Ryan is able to jump out of the way of the train. Back at the hospital, where previously the woman was recovering, she suffers an apparently unexpected heart attack and dies. Ryan and Mickey now head back to the Curious Goods Shop and share all the details with Jack. You see, Jack has figured out that time stands still. That was something that Ryan also experienced because he too was touching the watch at 13 o'clock. Back at the pseudo-furnace apartment, the punk teens are once again chattering back and forth and are accosted by <gasps> Mrs. Wilkerson street walker as she chases the two young teens down the street that she was previously walking. Mrs. Wilkerson will catch up to them at a later time. Thirteen o'clock, that is. Ryan and Mickey are feverishly figuring out the mechanics of the pocket watch.
0: Well, it seems that uh, Mr. Wilkerson's father used to work at that station and was unceremoniously fired. Mm-hmm. In need of money, he actually sold the pocket watch to the antique store, and once he was able to buy it back, he got a little extra, a curse from Uncle Lewis. But the specifics is that he has to actually be in the station where he worked at 1 o'clock, which in the occult world is also known as 13 o'clock.
2: And then the phone rings! It's one of the punk teens. They're ready to talk to Mickey and Ryan now. Back at the Wilkerson compound, Mrs. Wilkerson and her lover are busy making nefarious plans to use the watch. But first, time to kill the kid. The young lady stops in to see Mickey, who is tending to the young lady's gaping letter opener wound from a previous encounter with Mrs. Wilkerson walking the street. She shares that she saw a woman stab an old dude in the alley. Ryan then shares that the lady has a pocket watch that stops time. They're trying to recover it before the next time she can use it. It has to be found before she can kill again. All five of them, and then the other young friends, will look out for Mrs. Wilkerson walking the street.
0: Because they all have targets on their back now, Mike. Outside, Mrs. Wilkerson is working
2: the usual nightly walkabout tricks.
0: Ah! I'm not going to engage.
2: And a man appears outside the station, and he too has been stabbed by a letter opener. Mickey and the punk teenage girl go to check it out, but it's all a distraction. Mrs. Wilkerson and her lover descend to abduct the punk teenage daredevil girl. The three of them are waiting for time to stop as Mickey is looking for the young girl as Mrs. Wilkerson pines over the watch face. The young lady grabs the pocket watch and dashes aboard the moving subway as do her abductors. A chase ensues. Cue the music. the train has literally left the station, Ryan pulls an emergency power killing alarm system, killing alarm button thing that's on the wall that shouldn't be there for some reason. Strangely
0: also looks like a fire alarm.
2: It is a fire alarm, but not a fire (laughs) alarm inserted into this episode because we need the power to go out. And he pulls it, thereby knocking out the power to the area. But also the watch will not now work because ding, 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 they're no longer inside the station. After retrieving the watch, the abductors leave the young lady unharmed inside the subway car and head back to the station. Two minutes to return to the station. Ryan is chasing down the two abductors and finally is able to tackle Mrs. Wilkerson's lover. He begins fighting. Poorly. Ryan gets his ass kicked. He's finally knocked out by Mrs. Wilkerson's lover.
0: Or Eric, as his character's name is, is is called.
2: Whatever. Pound Mrs. Wilkerson Guy. That one. Ryan awakens and finally runs toward the station and catches up to the two abductors again and grabs the watch as 13 o'clock arrives. Time stops. For the two abductors only? What devilry is this? Even though mysteries continue to abound, apparently the item is... Recovered! Back at the Curious Good Shop, Jack has a solution for homeless teens. Every episode of Friday the 13th has goods and bads. Nick, let's get to the good. The concept of 13 o'clock. This was spectacular. Oh, yeah. I love it when they take little bits of the occult, in particular the ones that I have no idea about, <laughs> right. and they loop them into the story and then make them the accidental centerpiece mm-hmm. that you then are able to find out and learn more about if you choose afterwards. Yeah. One of the magic things about the internet is that back then, when this show first came out, well, there wasn't any. <laughs> right? And so if you wanted to go find out something about 13 o'clock, exactly how are we going to do that?
0: Uh, hi, I'm I'm visiting my library today, yeah. and here we are in the occult section. Yeah.
2: Hey, hey Miss Simmons, I was wondering, could you tell me more about you know, thirteen o'clock, the whole occult thing? That would be great. How stupid is that? Anyway, th- that's how it was done back then, right? And so there there were ways to go and find out things about this, but obviously there were things like this that you'd never go and want to search and find out.
0: And, and a regular audience is going to take the show at its word, because if you know nothing about the occult, then why would they have any reason to lie to you?
2: Right, right. And, and I think what I like the most is that it's all stapled to Jack and his limitless knowledge inside of leather-bound books that are behind each of them every single episode.
0: Well, and we've talked about this before. It's yeah. We need that character. For oh, a yeah. show like this, you have to have that sage character mm-hmm. who even if it's at the very end of the episode can pull the answer out of what looks like thin air but ah I have books
2: right well, and it's because of his knowledge base yeah and and I love that it, it, again it's if they ever revisit the show it's still something that can be pulled off mm-hmm. because the guy that knows books but that could also tack on to something internet-based where there's a a dark web database where information can be grabbed right that's where a little bit of that goes in fact there's um was a show my dad watched a whole bunch it was a uh, person of interest mm-hmm. and inside a person of interest there was this giant vast computer network thing right that was accessed i, I never saw an episode of it but it's something that he talked about a, a lot mm-hmm. and something like that could clearly be a piece of if this show was ever revisited anyway the concept of 13 o'clock i thought was excellent
0: well i think in the episode even what makes it even better is During 13 o'clock, the world freezes and goes black and white. Yeah. But whoever's holding the watch is still in color. Yeah. You think about late 80s TV technology, and hell, just watching it with you
2: earlier today, it was still impressive. Oh, yeah. For 1989. Yeah. There's a, there's, and I I can't believe I didn't think of this until now, but there's a, there's a book that I read and did a book report on (laughs) in. Fourth grade, Mrs. Gallagher's class, and it was the girl, the gold watch, and everything. And mm. guess what happens inside of that that story? The
0: watch stops time.
2: Correct. And so, uh, I, and I'm only just now thinking of that. <laughs> I didn't even think about that when, I, when we were watching the episode, mm-hmm. but that, that's tremendous. Uh, you know what else is really good to put here, too, is the actual effects that were used inside of 13 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Because for for a lot of television shows, when they freeze time, it works out, usually, But inside of this one, they obviously got actors that knew how to stand still. Yeah. And then there were a couple of times where they literally did just freeze frame and people are wandering. Mm -hmm. But the edges of things, they did it terribly, terribly wonderfully. Yeah. And Mm. uh, it was all all super high quality as opposed to El Crapo that Mm. you would expect to see inside of something 80s based. Right. And it wasn't. It was very high quality. The subway station. We've talked about it, and we probably should just make it a segment inside the the, the episodes.
0: When this when this show has a location, uses the hell out yeah, of that and, location. And it shines. Yes,
2: and this is no exception. Whether it's inside the actual terminal, pointing in whatever direction they choose, using the um, directory map of what the train the the subway system looks like. Right. Yeah. Uh, but then also, when they chose to go into the the tunnel on the tracks. All of that was stellar. That
0: was the thing that impressed me the yeah, most.
2: Cuz when you say or when you read it on the page and go uh, inside the the dark tunnel of the subway system dot 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 you think to yourself what is this going to look like?
0: <laughs> right. Okay,
2: well it looks good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well I mean it was legitimate. It's real. Yeah. Right, right, right. The the only thing that I would say that was kind of a uh and it's not a knock. It's it's more of a oh, oh I see what you were trying to do. We're supposed to believe that this is a large city, probably like New York.
2: Definitely not New York.
0: Not New York, because those were the cleanest subway cars. Everything was white. Everything was stark white. So you know, yeah, it's in Canada.
2: (laughs) Yeah. What what it reminded me of specifically was uh, inside of the second Matrix film. Right, and they start talking about the 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 trolley slash subway system to wherever the hell that right, was. Right, yeah. I don't remember enough about the about the sequels. I'm trying to block them out, but the uh, th- that's what it looked like. Stark, Stark yeah. subway system. Oh yeah, uh, but it was perfect. It was perfect. It was big, and it absolutely fit what was going to happen here. And I think all of that, uh, all the brilliant white lighting also helped when they were going to freeze things. Yeah, Because for uh, people that are curious when you freeze things, especially inside of film, you need lots and lots of light when you're doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially if you're going to make it go black and white. Yeah. As a matter of fact, a, a little lighting trick, if you light everything for black and white, like you were going to shoot in black and white, mm-hmm. but you shoot in color, mm-hmm. you've already gone the extra mile by adding the extra light. So... Technically speaking, if you light like you're shooting in black and white, you can never go wrong.
2: Appropriately placed exposition. This is wonderful. Mm-hmm. It reminds me very much of the many of the recent seasons of Agents of Shield, right. where, let's be clear, there are dump trucks of exposition. That oh, come yeah. inside that program, but they couch them so wonderfully that you don't feel like you're having the dump truck of info dumped on your chest. Mm-hmm.
0: The natural flow of conversation.
2: Yeah. And it's, is,
0: it's, it's hard to pull off, too.
2: Yeah. Just thinking to yourself, OK, we're going to have a stopwatch and a freezes time. That's awesome. But now we have to somehow tie that f- time-freezing watch to the station. How do we do that effectively? How do we not overwhelm people? And how can it be done in about 25 seconds? This is how.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and it makes sense. Yeah, We, we were talking yeah. about it throughout uh, the first half of the episode. It's like, why does it have to be this station? That just seems really random and weird. But then by the 28, 30-minute mark, we get that extra information yeah. about henry wilkerson's father yeah and all of his backstory with the watch and the station and i'm like oh all right well yeah. you explained it thank you
2: and not only does it make the picture become clear it also becomes this always chasing deadline that in this case mrs wilkerson has to follow mm-hmm. and i love that too i think that that's a it's a natural piece of something is on fire and i don't want to be caught in it inside the episode right that helps to propel the story it's really well done that's where we ask you guys, what did you find good inside of this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think.
0: Every episode of Friday the 13th has its goods and its bads. We've covered the goods. Now let's take a look at the not-so-goods inside this episode. Questionable ADR.
2: Oh, you're being kind. Questionable I, I am being, being kind. kind. Yeah.
0: I, I'm being extremely kind because I like this show, this yeah. program. Yeah. But
2: Nick, Nick, why don't you detail what ADR is too for our, our listeners?
0: Well, ADR is additional dialogue recording. Right. A lot of times what will happen is uh, where your microphones are concerned is you're out in a crowded, noisy place mm-hmm. and... You're not going to hear the dialogue from the <laughs> actors, clearly. Right. Uh, usually happens if you're on a busy street, a, a, a beach. It's, that's horrible because you're getting the waves, you're getting the birds, you're getting the wind.
2: Uh, subway system.
0: Subway, I mean, it's it's nearly impossible. And the thing is is that there are ways around it. Right. Uh, the actors will come into a, a sound booth very similar to what we have here inside the studio. Mm-hmm. And nice little soundproof area, and they will capture the dialogue by watching the footage so that it matches up perfectly, or almost perfectly. Right. This episode seemed to have about 90% of it ADR'd,
2: and it was bad. It was terrible. Yeah, inside of this one, Mrs. Wilkerson, if you guys remember the movie Tangled, and the stepmotherly character inside of that movie, okay, we'll amp that up to about 50 <laughs> and that's what her ADR sounded like. It was very it was super punchy. Yeah. It didn't match where it was being captured. And it was way overdone. It, it it wasn't just her talking. It was super overdone.
0: And it seemed like there were there were times where they were using ADR in scenes where it shouldn't have needed it. Yeah. So it makes me wonder did she have a cold while they were filming this oh, yeah. and her vo- and her voice was messed up yeah. and they, they had to go back and redo it? Or, or maybe somebody else on the show yeah. had a cold or something? I, I, I don't know. I, usually the show doesn't falter when it comes to something as critical as audio. Right. But this episode, it was almost a distraction. Oh, yeah. The Fate... Of our villains. This is probably the only time I actually had a huh on my face in the entire episode. Luckily, it's towards the end, but this one really didn't make any sense to me. Both of us. Right, right. We were both kind of like, we we were. Don't get it. After the episode was over, I remember you and I kind of trying to explain it to each other. Mm -hmm. And we came up with several different scenarios and then finally just said, you know what, who cares? That, well,
2: th- let's well, ask the audience, frankly, is what it becomes. Well, yeah, I, well, so, so at the end of the
0: episode is. when Ryan snatches the pocket watch out of Mrs. Wilkerson's hand and 13 o'clock comes around, but they're not, she's not holding it, her and her boyfriend freeze. They, they turn black and white and, and freeze and stop moving while well, everything else is fine. Okay, interesting, cool, but if that's it, if that's all that's going to happen to him, that's really weird because i'd hate to be the officer on scene it's like hey uh chief i i don't know what happened here but you know these two they're 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 black and white they've lost all the color and they ain't moving i can't tell if they're dead or not oh
2: i would love to write this report i think it would be great (laughs) It, it will start with the fate of the frozen whore and her big boyfriend that's how it will start
0: maybe we should ask Captain Di Giuseppe, what he, how he would write this report if he came up on scene. <laughs> I, I
2: think that that's probably a good idea. The, uh, the, the gist here, too, and I think after we had bannered it about, is that there wasn't a death associated inside of what happened in general. Mm-hmm. The guy that was stabbed by Mrs. Wilkerson up top on the street... Didn't die apparently.
0: Right, right. He was just a distraction. Right. It wasn't a murder. It was just an assault.
2: And they weren't able to kill the young teenage punk daredevil kid, mm-hmm. and because she was not not only that she was out of the station, so if they had killed her, it wouldn't have mattered.
0: Yeah, it just would have been a death.
2: Right, right. And so because they come back, there's no death, and thirteen o'clock starts, and they're not holding the watch, they are frozen. That was the best we could come up with. Right. Though. But they should have, like, dissolved
0: or something like that. If that would have happened, if we had a a body dissolve so that they officially get their comeuppance, I would have been happy with that. Just leaving them frozen like that, that's something that you're not going to expect. Inside the physics of of that universe, of the world, imagine all the headlines. People lose their color and found frozen in, in place in the subway.
2: Now, I think what would have been interesting is that, okay, time freezes for the two of them. That's fine. And then the train wipes them out. That too. See, that would that have been would have interesting. Been very interesting. And, and, I wanted.
0: I, I, I'm not bloodlustful, but <laughs> I, the bad guys need to to die, not just freeze. Yeah,
2: and they were both bad enough that I think that that would have been a totally sufficient end for Mrs. Wilkerson and her lover.
0: The problem with forced messages. In any type of entertainment, whether it be television, film, music, doesn't matter. Every now and then you will run across somebody who is trying to make a point, send a message, maybe even a little bit of a a morals. Agenda. An agenda. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if you are a clever writer, you can slide those things in and it does not seem ham-fisted or beating somebody over the head with your message. Mm -hmm. But when you don't do it creatively, you end up with, oh, please help the homeless children on the streets. Because that's what this episode, that that was the B-plot of this episode ...is the youths...
2: Right, and, and, and before we get hate mail of Wilkerson laughing at the homeless children on the street, that's not what I'm laughing oh, at. Oh, yes, I, we're not making fun of the fact right. that the, it is
0: a problem. <laughs> it
2: is definitively a problem. We're
0: making fun of the fact that they so blatantly say, look at what we're telling you, look at what we're telling you, yeah. look at what we're telling you, yeah. throughout the whole episode that by the end, when Jack has the solution, here, I have a friend, he runs a youth center... It's not the best place in the world, but it's better than the streets. Thanks, Jack. How ironic that you know somebody. You got a guy for everything, don't you? You got a guy for hats. You got a guy for shoes. You got a guy for homeless kids. Right.
2: Where I expected it to go at the end of the episode was I expected there to be a star and a colorful rainbow.
0: (laughs) The more you know. (sighs)
2: Exactly. That's exactly where I went. And that's when I know that the, the, the line has been crossed. Yeah. Where it's not just content anymore; it's become a message, mm-hmm. and uh, again, you have to use a very deft hand at that. Right, and it was just—it was just over the line on the end of it, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we look at the the happenstance of the villains not really getting theirs, and then the activities of Mrs. Wilkerson and her nefarious uh, going to prison lover. If we don't get a murder in, no, okay, right, well, right. And th- there are some other messages I'd like to focus on, like I don't know. <laughs> not murdering or <laughs> the bad guys getting their, theirs. That right, seems yeah, yeah. to be on the top of the list. And we didn't get really much of any of that. But by the way, Jack's got an outlet for teens that are wayward. You, you okay, got awesome. to help
0: the kids. You got to help the kids. Well, those are the things that we thought needed a little bit of work in this episode. But we want to know what you thought. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the contact form and tell us what you think were some of the bads in this episode.
2: It's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, this time season two, episode nine.
1: Thirteen o'clock.
2: We'll be right back.
0: Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with Perpetual Advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual Advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core.
2: Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control
0: freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast
2: content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out editorcore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. Editorcore.com. That's editorcore.com.
1: Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com.
2: Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 9, 13 O'Clock. Every time Nick and I come back from break, it's time to open up our manifest moments. The Manifest Moment is either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element inside the episode, or something else that tripped Nick and mine's collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got?
0: My Manifest Moment for this episode has got to be the pocket watch itself. hmm Good call. Something very simple, very, uh, not even very ornate either. It was just a very plain pocket watch. And I liked the effect that they would pull as 13 o'clock would come up. The hand would go to one, and then the three would appear magically next to it. It would glow pink, and then, you know, everything would freeze. And I like it when simple things like that are used because it shows how innocuous things can be where the show is concerned. Mm -hmm. Episode two of this show had a pen. A pen. How deadly is it? Well, I mean, you know, I've seen films where people have taken a pen and, and have been able to kill. So pens can be deadly. But how dangerous do you actually think a pen can really be? Right. Well, in this show, a pen can be extremely dangerous when it has the ability to actually, whatever it writes, comes true. So here we have a nice pocket watch. And I really like it when we can do that instead of going elaborate like, oh, a cursed wood chipper.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we've talked about it a lot of times inside the show. When, when things stay simple, mm-hmm. they are almost always more satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish more shows would do that because I think if if they had to go back and do something nowadays like this, there would be a golden sheen that embraces everybody inside of the station, right? And then the golden sheen would turn to black and white, and then there would be some sort of effect that's inserted and everything turns to black and white. Well, we were I don't talking need about any it. Of
0: that. We were talking about it before the recording. We happened to be, fall on the subject of Avengers Endgame and the whole time mm. travel esqueness. yeah. And we were talking about how it seemed like the writers went out of their way to make it overly complicated yeah. so that they could follow their own rules unlike anything else in entertainment has ever done handling time travel right. and it just made things so muddled yeah. that it was it was way too confusing especially because you go back it's a great movie love it enjoy it yeah. but when you tar- start tearing it apart that whole time travel stuff just doesn't especially Captain America's yeah. ending stuff makes no sense at all you're telling me captain america if he stays back in the
2: past he's not going to stop 9-11 yeah come on there, there, there's a bunch of things like that in fact there's a video that i showed you right in our preamble today that we'll, we'll, we'll include we'll, it in the show yeah notes. We'll, ha- we'll
0: have a link to it in the show notes,
2: and, and it, it runs through things very much like that especially in regard to steve rogers right. and or captain america that you know, does he sit by, idly by as JFK is assassinated? Yep. Does he sit have idly another by salad? As Bobby and MLK get killed. Right. Yeah. You know, and the the answer is absolutely, I guess. And, and that's where that's where. And so was he a hero after he went back and waited and did nothing? But I saved the
0: universe by and, not disrupting the yeah. space time. No, just shut and, up.
2: And I had I had my dance. Where's the heroism in that? And again, this isn't the this is keep it yes yeah this isn't the this isn't the bashing end game because it was it was a spectacular movie right yeah a great second half to a first half but wow
0: our point is keep it simple and you can't go wrong
2: right my manifest moment inside of this episode is a striking one almost as striking as Mrs. Wilkerson inside of this episode.
0: Oh, Mrs. Wilkerson. For those
2: of you that don't remember what she looked like, or perhaps maybe you didn't even see this episode, we're going to include a photograph Mm -hmm. inside of the show notes for this episode over to what she looked like then, what she looks like now. But in addition to that, (laughs) we're also going to include my manifest moment. You see, the actress, Gwyneth Walsh, was actually one of the Klingon Duras sisters back for the next generation. And if you're not a Star Trek fan, I guarantee you, you will be horrified by what she looks like as a Klingon woman. <laughs> it is horrifying. She is definitively not attractive. And when you see her without her Klingon makeup and get up on, she is incredibly attractive, regardless of it's now or back then when she was the hot Mrs. Wilkerson. Uh, married for a month inside that episode. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: but, but it's spectacular. Right. I also thought that she was just tremendous inside this episode. If you're looking for the definition of an unfaithful, uncaring, murderous wife, well, there's going to be a picture of her because <laughs> right. she right. plays one inside this episode really, really well. Yeah. Anyway, that's my manifest moment. And that's where we ask you guys what's your manifest moment from this episode, season two, episode nine? 13
0: o'clock.
2: Let us know what you think by going to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us, what was your manifest moment? Vocabulary. Ah, vocabulary. The words that matter inside of these episodes. The first word that harkens from this episode is... Gold Digger. Gold Digger, thanks to our friends over at Visual Thesaurus, is... A miner who digs or pans for gold in a gold field. Not quite what we're looking for inside of this episode, but the second definition reads (laughs) a woman who associates with or marries a rich man in order to get valuables from him through gifts or a divorce settlement. And of course, Mrs. Wilkerson inside of this episode chooses to forego the whole divorce settlement thing. Right. The second word we have for this episode is sugar daddy. Ah, sugar daddy. That's what Nick's wife calls him. Oh, no, No. it's
0: the opposite. She's my sugar mama.
2: Oh, gotcha. Again, thanks to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, a sugar daddy is listed as a wealthy older man who gives a young person expensive gifts in return for friendship or intimacy. Asterisk.
0: Yada, yada, yada.
2: What words did you think about while remembering this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our website over at CuriousGoodspodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think.
1: Episode rating.
2: Ah, the rating inside of the Curious Goods Podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the list. Simple, mostly practical effects that satisfy everybody. A one is on the other side of the scale. Forced messages for forced messages' sake. Everything starts as a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no Habsies. Nick, what do you got?
0: For me watching this one, this was the, yet again another episode that I do not remember watching when I was younger. I think we're going to be falling into that category a lot more often. I agree. Yeah. Uh, There's some that I I know I still haven't seen yet, so mm-hmm. maybe they're later on in the season or maybe they're even in season 3. Mm-hmm. Again, that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But this episode fell into that whole and I, I, we we've all seen a lot of those stopping time movies or TV shows or even read them in books and things like that. It's an easy formula to follow, and this one does it does it perfectly by the end of the episode once everything is explained. You know if we never got that story about Henry Wilkerson's father and him working at that that particular subway station and how he was fired and had to pawn the family pocket watch to you know make so, make a little bit of money and as soon as he got enough money back he bought it back but this time it was cursed. Right. If we didn't get that explanation This would have been a head-scratcher episode. Mm -hmm. It'd be like, well, this was good, but the the item didn't make any sense. And we've run into that a handful of times. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we didn't have to worry about that. It was well-acted, well-paced. And despite some of the speed bumps that happened in the episode, you know, the the forced messages and Mm -hmm. the horrible ADR, Mm -hmm. this was a really great episode. So for me, I have to rate this a 9.
2: Yeah, the value of an episode is, you know, if this item ever got out of the vault and could push another episode, the answer is absolutely. Oh, yeah. Any one of a number of criminals has actually used this kind of influence inside of a number of different stories I can think of off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Only a few of which are comic book based. There's a whole bunch of other ones that have nothing to do with comic books, but stopping time. Right. Stopping time is a thing that everybody would love to get aboard and use as a as the fulcrum of an argument or storytelling and so i love the concept of this yeah, when we build in the little speed bumps that we had inside of this episode they are just that and they take this episode clearly to a nine that's where we ask you guys what did you guys think of this episode let us know what you rate it by going over to our website that's curiousgoodspodcast.com again fill out that quick web form and tell us what you think Ah, uh, another great episode detailing for the Curious Goods Podcast. Again, until next time, Whoa, I'm whoa, Mike. whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, Mike. Yeah, wait a yeah. minute.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my watch right now. Yeah. And it's about to hit 13 o'clock.
2: Well, well, what is that supposed to? Oh, well, now, wait a minute. I think that... Uh...
0: <laughs> now it's my show. Boy, I've never noticed this, Mike, but you look horrible in black and white.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Curious Goods podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at curiousgoodspodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed.
2: The trench-coated Mister Wilkerson is once again wandering the streets, but Martha Wilkerson, his wife. Why'd you say Martha? <laughs> Why'd you say that name?
0: <laughs> the trench. <laughs> it's it's Retha. <laughs> Thank you. Not Martha. I don't care. I'm but you don't Martha. care, exactly. I can't, I
2: can't say the word Retha because my my head will concave. <sighs> what word are you going to use so I can type it in?
0: I, it's going to be gold digger because I'm not doing street walkers. Okay, sorry. You and your scruples.
2: You're fucking with my program, mister.
0: (laughs) They're hard-working ladies. Are you a
2: streetwalker? Do you have a story? Call us now. Nick wants to know. No, Mike wants to know. (laughs) To walk the streets and make money.
0: She's not going there to walk the streets. (laughs) She's going there to keep an eye on her husband.
2: (laughs) Editor, delete all of Nick's talking and leave all of mine.
0: I'm I'm sure the editor'll do that, Mike.
2: Insert the tone.